privilege it is to stand in front of you as we're celebrating the Lord's Supper. I get to see things like somebody holding a baby in the back and, and just other things, people smiling, people praying. Um, you know, it's just such a privilege for me to be a part of that. Well, we are continuing our, our um, series in, called Engage. Does it say that up there? It doesn't yet, but anyway. Uh, and we're going to uh, read a passage that is familiar to all of you. Uh, it is, the, it is uh, Luke chapter 10, uh, starting at verse 25, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Anybody have a page number on that? 869. 869 is the page number. They forgot to put the pages in mine. Let's read. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit the eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, that's the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and he saw him, and he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and, when he set him, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, well, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Father, we have your words. And it is a parable, samples, examples, and yet you speak very powerfully through these parables. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would plant your words into our hearts, and that we would dwell on them, just as that old instruction from Deuteronomy, do it everywhere. Let these words be in you everywhere. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us, we pray. In your name, amen. So, context is everything, right? When did this happen? Jesus had already started his final journey to Jerusalem. He was on the road, and in those days, people traveled in caravans. They didn't go alone. You didn't see a family out on the road alone. For one thing, it was dangerous. You know, just like the parable here, 
I mean, those people in that day, they would have got this because if somebody was traveling alone, chances are this was going to happen. And it happened all the time. So Jesus is on the road with a whole group of people, more than just family, people that, that are coming from Galilee. It's a long walk. Somebody estimated that it could take up to 12 days. Somebody else said seven. I don't know. I've never walked it, and I really wouldn't want to. There are lots of mountains and things like that. They also went so that they could take care of each other. And the other reason that they went together is because that was the beginning of the celebration. They weren't there yet. The celebration had not um, yet taken place. It didn't really officially start. But well, you know how it is. Betty and I were just away, and the last few days we spent with her brother and his wife, and we had the most marvelous time because we hadn't been with them in a long time. And we laughed for two or three days. It was marvelous, and that's what these folks were doing. It was a happy time. Well, there was more going on at that time than you think, because not only was this sort of like a walking party and celebration, it was a time of great ministry with Jesus' words, with miracles, with magnificent things that were being done. Jesus, some time ago, had sent out uh, his 12 apostles to go into the cities that he was going to be visiting in order to prepare them. And he gave those apostles power over demons and illnesses and things like that. Well, guess what? During this trip, he did the same thing with 72 more people. And these were not the apostles this time. These were just everyday people like you and me. I mean, imagine being chosen by Jesus with a band of 72 people to go into the cities and towns ahead of us and do Jesus' magnificent work of Messiah. When they came back, they were euphoric. Even the demons were subject to us. Even the demons obeyed us in your name. It was a marvelous time. And all along the way, especially now, because these people have come back and they're rejoicing in something that they never imagined they would be a part of. So Jesus has got an audience. He's got a serious audience. He always had an audience, but he had a real audience. And then this lawyer stood up. Why? To put him to the test. He hasn't gotten the memo. All those people, I'm sure there were other people that were unbelievers along the way too, but these people, they were euphoric. And he, this, this, this lawyer, it's like he needed to put a stop to it or something. Why? Why would he want to do that? I don't know. But then he said, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Um... That's kind of a tough question, right? There's two things in his theology there that are just not right. What shall I do in order to inherit? Do is work. Inherit is something that is due to me. Something that I am owed that came from my parents 
if they had anything, and it's due to me. I am owed it, the inheritance. Do you see where his theology is running right now? What is, and then Jesus said, nah, I can just hear him thinking in his mind, okay, I'll play your little game. Others have tried. No one has ever succeeded to try to put down the words of our Lord Jesus. What is written in the law? This guy is a lawyer. Uh, other gospel writers refer to them as scribes, same thing. They were specialists in the law of Moses and the prophets and the whole Old Testament. They had been studying this stuff every single day since they were small children. And then he said, how do you read it? You see how subtle that is? What do you say the law says? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. What a great answer. Isn't that great? It's right out of the textbook. The scriptures. Perfect. Uh, and Jesus affirmed him. He said, well, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Ah, okay. Well, I already knew that, right? Just do this stuff. I'm the lawyer. I know all about it, and I'm already doing it. But he had to put one last little zinger in there. Who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Isn't it interesting that he glossed right over the love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? I think I got that a little bit backwards, but anyway... He just glossed right over that. Do you think he was thinking, well, I've got that part nailed. Maybe I'm just worried a little bit about who my neighbor is to make sure I've got that one ready to check off. Desiring to justify himself. You know, the Bible speaks to us, particularly the New Testament, about this wonderful foundational doctrine called justification. And that's salvation. And that is the moment that we believe. And at that same moment when God says, not guilty. And we can't do it ourselves. He does not have that. All those 72 that were coming back, euphoric about the demons they cast out and the diseases that they healed, all of those people, they probably got it. Many other people that are walking along in the caravan with Jesus, they probably got it. Many of the people that were with him probably got it years before. But not this guy. So Jesus tells him the parable. One that is perhaps familiar to us, but maybe not so much to them. New thought. You know why? Because the Jews and the Samaritans, they hated each other. In reality, they were neighbors. If you look at a map of Israel back in the day, you had the southern part of Israel, which was Judea, and the northern part, was, which was Galilee, and in the middle, you've got this place called Samaria. And they hated each other so much that when the Jews wanted to go from north to south, they didn't go the straight line route through Samaria because they couldn't stand to be even near them. They walked all the way around the edge, and like I said before, it took days. 
many days beyond what they had to travel. It was routine. It was what they did. Because they hated each other, even though they were neighbors. And as it turns out, there was a man, probably a Jewish man, that was on his way from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was alone. That wasn't so smart. But, for the purpose of the story, he was accosted, he was challenged, beat up, all of his stuff was stolen, and left for dead. And a priest came along. A priest was the go-between between Israel and God. I could almost make a, you know, a picture of a pastor, but not really. Because I'm just one of you. The priests, man, they were hired, they were exalted. And then there were Levites. He came along. And Levite, he was the one that took care of all the other stuff in the house of worship. They were singers, they were custodians, they did all kinds of stuff. And both of these guys came along one by one and ignored a dying man. Then the Samaritan came. Where did he come from? Well, it's not like they didn't go places. They didn't just live in Samaria. They had business to do, just like any of us. And he came along, and he had compassion. You know, the Greek word for compassion has to do with something that it starts outside of me and ends up inside of me. It's what the Greek language calls a passive. It would be my, he was compassioned. It starts with God and it flows into me because in and of myself, I so seldom have real compassion. But God gives it. And evidently, there was a Samaritan who had it. And he took care of the guy, took him to an inn, paid for three days. That's what that, that uh, denarius, that's a day's pay. So he gave a denarius and when he left, he gave two more. Three days pay, he paid for that. And he committed. If it costs you more than that, let me know when I come back. I'll take care of it. And then he asked the great question Jesus did. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Well, the answer was kind of obvious, right? The one who showed him mercy. So who is Jesus engaging with here? He's engaging with an unbeliever. Somebody that's testing him, justifying himself. But he uses that opportunity to talk about engaging with someone who really needs us. Someone that was in trouble. Someone who was going to die. Engage with those we're hurting. Engage with those who need you, need mercy, need help. While we were on vacation, in fact, it was at the beginning of the vacation, 
uh, I found out that I have a lot of neighbors from all over the country. I really do. I made a stupid mistake at a truck stop. And um, ask me later, I'll tell you the whole embarrassing story, but these are the, 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 he, these are the high points. I, uh, we, we were towing a car, our car, on top of a trailer behind our RV, and the jack post doesn't really come up. I mean, it was up all the way as far as it was going to go, but it was still hanging down too much. And I went over a little dip, and going up the other side, it got caught in the pavement. And we're kind of in the way. As a matter of fact, we're a lot in the way. And I, there was a, like a service center next door, and I ran over there, but they didn't, they didn't have their truck. There were no mechanics available. Apparently, there's plenty of music, though. Uh, <laughs> so, and then I came back, and by the time I got back, I couldn't have been gone more than five minutes, if that. And there's this gang of truckers standing around with Betty looking at my predicament. You know what? They didn't laugh. What they did was they helped me. There was, I didn't have what I needed to, to, rec, to, to remedy this problem. So one of them brought a jack over and, you know, did that. Somebody else brought a, uh, a piece of uh, wood so to slide under it after we got it all jacked up. That wasn't going to do it either. And so another guy, I don't know why I didn't think of this, he took some tools that he brought along with him and removed the jack. And now I can move it. It was awesome. It really was. So I was, and then they put the, the, the piece of wood down underneath the hitch platform to make sure it didn't stick, get stuck again. Five men and a woman who came over to help me that I wasn't going to be able to do it for myself. And I was really beating myself up for this, as you can imagine. I felt like such a fool. And I think it was that night, as I was reading, I realized, you know what? God really doesn't waste anything. Even my foolishness. That's when I was thinking, I could use this as part of my message. And it doesn't say anything good about me, but it says an awful lot about my neighbors. People I don't even know. I didn't even get their names. I just know that one of them, two of them were from Florida, somebody else from Oklahoma, and you know, the rest of them, I have no idea. I have friends all over the place, and I don't even know who they are. This is what our Lord is talking about when, he, when we say engage. Engage with the hurting. Engage with those who need mercy. Engage with those who are just plain stupid and make mistakes like I so often do. It's a good thing to be neighbors. And not just my neighbors across the street who are wonderful people and I love them, or down the street, or my neighbors here, but neighbors all over the place who need us. Let's engage with our neighbors. Father, we are so grateful to you because you give us neighbors and you give us things to do 
to help them and to be helped by them even when we aren't really very smart. Lord, we pray that you would bless us, that you would fill us with these words, and that you would make us, put us on the lookout at all times for those who need us. Thank you in your name. Amen.